small place to a bigger city. Oh, it's a bigger bag to strap the ego of a little baby. It's like a discipline without the discipline of all of the discipline. It's like a culture without the effort of all of the culture. Uh, without further ado, I think we should just get right into Sound of Silver. Um, so leading off of Sound of Silver, an album released in 20, 2007, produced by the DFA and released off Capitol Records. Let's hear a little bit of Get Innocuous. that was get innocuous eric have you gotten innocuous how could you not uh this song yeah this song is uh song get into your into your bloodstream um like much like the vaccine all of you should have gotten by now um and it's got tyler pope on guitars it's got nancy wang on vocals of course james james doing the rest uh although tyler did get a co-writing credit um and it's it is like uh, it's dancey, and it they they're definitely utilizing a lot of their electronics on this on this song. It does feel like in a way uh, minimalist house music at times, but a lot of live instruments coming in there to keep it interesting. And he's he's singing, and and when his vocals come in, he's almost doing a little Bowie thing. I think on this song, I don't know. I and I, and I just say that because you know he wears his as we said. No, no, no. I, I can I can hear it. There's some. Uh... There is some Lodger era Bowie vocalization going on. Oh yeah, some Berlin Bowie. And he lo- and he wears it on his sleeve, and that's like you said, that's the fun of LCD sound system. Is it, it sounds like a DJ set, and you think the DJ is playing a Bowie song, but no, it's an original. Just happens to have some of that flavor, you know? Yeah, and he sings. He has a couple different vocalization styles that uh, I'll touch on, but this is my favorite one. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, he's singing here, and apparently. Um, when he was uh, when he was recording this album to get his vocals down, he like layered the room he was recording in with foil, like aluminum foil all over the room. And hence the name Sound of Silver. And apparently when they did the follow up, this is happening. He brought the pieces of the foil or whatever he whatever it was to uh, Rick Rubin's studio, because I guess that's where they recorded. Uh, this is happening. So just fun, fun little little story there on the background of the album title. But uh, anyways, this song itself, you know, he's got home home in the late night in a way away in the half light except today crushed by the boring until played and plagued by the tourist again when once you believed it it's like uh this song is um it's talking about how the day-to-day the rat race can crush creativity uh the stress probably for him the stress of delivering because he is a creative uh becomes even harder when you get kind of caught up in that 
Um, you get uh, Nancy Wang doing the you can't normalize and just like a fun little, uh, you know, almost like a JJ fad uh, little rap, like a one one line rap that, that repeats a lot. And the song itself just kind of gets sucked into this house loop. Um, but like I said, the live instruments keeps it keeps it interesting. Uh, this is a great opener. Uh, it's a little bit more of a mature sound. It's much more polished, but uh, the bass harp really makes the song come come alive. Um, and I love his new vocal explorations on this track. Mark? Yeah, I, I definitely get hints of uh, craft work on this, uh, especially with the backing rhythm. It sounds like a robot working out at the gym kind of beat to it. Um, and I 100% agree with you. His vocals are extremely reminiscent of, you know, Berlin Bowie. Uh, very, you know, bass. <laughs> I love this track in terms of its percussive synths, just kind of creeping up into the mix, especially if you listen to this song on headphones or even some really strong speakers. It just seems to envelop you. It's uh, it's, a, it's a cool little effect. Um, Nancy has that cheerleader kind of delivery with you can normalize. You know, it's uh, definitely pep rally. Uh, I like what this song is uh, essentially saying, just the drudgery of the workaday life, just essentially sucking the party lifestyle out of you. I mean, the extremely major theme is just nostalgia and learning to let go. And I think that is kind of LCD sound systems thesis statement that sometimes that, you know, the party days we're all having a great time getting together and we are dancing our asses off. But when you look at the lyrics, a lot of it is filled with uh, we're old men or old, we're just old, just now still trying to embrace the club culture. And uh, there are consequences, even though, the, yeah, and there's, there, there is going to be consequences, but let's not be sad about it. Um, and, you know, this song is seven minutes long. Uh, it doesn't drag for me, though, at all. It goes by really quick. It's breezy. It has more than enough going on with the back and forth synth line and the softly kind of chunking guitar, especially that extra rhythm towards the end. But I like this track uh, quite a bit. I think it's a great opener. Soul Wax is another DFA group, and they did a remix of this, and they bring out the vocals like forefront, so the vocals get a little bit more of a limelight, um, and it makes just kind of more straight-up techno dance, uh, their remix, just... Just throw that out there. My favorite opener by them, though, by far, um, is off of This Is Happening. Uh, Dance Yourself Clean is uh, got some just goosebump moments. Uh, but this one is uh, it, it's a very strong opener. Yeah, that whole subject you brought up about, you know, the party days are over. I mean, that was from the very start with that song, Losing My Edge. That's been a subject matter for this band from the start. Or at least the party days are winding down. Uh, yeah, this is a great opener. It does something they do very well, which is like they're good at building. They're really good at like a lot of their songs. I might repeat myself tonight. Uh, they, they got building blocks that build and build and build and then have some kind of release. I mean, that's a lot of dance music, but I think LCD Sound System excels in it. And on this one, it's got some primo building moments, but also it's got some great synth work. Uh, borderline Miami Vice synths, I think. I really, I really think they're also the king of the um, snare drum into the cymbal crash. You guys know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's got this track has got some prime snare drumming into cymbal crashes. Uh, I I really, really dig it. And kind of echoing what you guys said about the vocals. Uh, James Murphy, man. Part. I mean, I I like this band a lot. But one of the few things I sometimes I'm just like, eh, 
that might detriment me from a song is his vocal stylings. Um, I'll get into some of those later that bother me, but not on this track. Uh, this kind of has like a David Byrne or David Bowie Lodger era uh, weird monotone delivery that works perfectly for this song. Uh, it's a good, it's a great opener. All right, so let's hear track two, which is "Time to Get Away." Uh time to get away, and uh, that's what apparently the song lyric did to me. I forgot about it. It was "Time to Get Away." Let's hear that. It's time to get away. It's time to get away from you. It's time to get away. It's time to get away from you. You brought a lot of money. But me, I'm catching tiny tummy. sleep i try and try but you undermine me uh-huh and i start to be sensible if you know what i mean and so it's time to get away it's time to get away from you i'm dying to get away i'm dying to get away song here that's kind of a uh, it's kind of a middle finger track it's um uh, you have lyrics that talk about uh you know somebody ex- exploiting somebody else taking advantage of somebody else you have uh J- james murphy who said that he off people often confuse this for like a like a nasty breakup song and he said it's it's not it's about it is about a breakup not a not a romantic relationship it says old manager this is uh uh, I paid a lot of money for the right to say fuck you to that guy is is the quote. And, um, you know, with with lyrics like uh, you brought a lot of money, but me, I'm catching tiny tummy is, is a great little like two line thing of saying, like, somebody made a lot of money off me, but I'm still hungry. I'm starving. Uh, it's not unlike like Bowie's middle finger to uh, what was his boss, like the big man or, or something, something big time. I don't I don't remember who, who Bowie's boss was, but there <laughs> there's something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was. Yeah, yeah but go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So similar, similar situation. It's it's a middle finger song that the track itself is a sparse house track as far as like uh, what they're going for. It's um, one of the more minimalistic tracks on the album. Possibly too simple in the in the sense that this one ranks rather low to me. Um, that being said, uh, James Murphy knows how to write a catchy catchy moment, and there are there are some hooks in the song that that are worth the time, um, even if the track itself doesn't go too many places. Um, and uh, it's got Patrick Mahoney playing drums on it. It's got this fun little house organ happening, and it's a it's a nice little track too. Um, it's not, doesn't stick to my ribs, but, um, that's what I feel about this one, Mark. This song is an absolute toe tapper for me. Um, I feel that it encapsulates a lot of what the DFA slash LCD sound system sound is really all about. Uh, and what I mean by that, it has just danceable rhythms. 
that really marry both digital and analog uh, with multiple types of percussion. So you got cowbell, tambourines, probably a glockenspiel or something like that also. Um, it has this ability to just kind of chug along to this beat. And, you know, James certainly has his talk singing style. Uh, I think that on this track, though, it does edge into a little bit more of a soulful delivery, especially if you are listening to it on headphones. Um, I like this track. I think it's a solid track, too. It kind of keeps the dance um, party going, uh, maintains that, but brings a little bit more of a a band feel to it. Um, I think it's got some great funk in there. and to your point, it certainly does sound like this at first blush could be about an ex-lover who, uh, you know, he needs to get away from that person. Um, but yeah, reading into some of these interviews, uh, he was talking about an ex-manager who uh, was pretty shitty and he was trying to make it uh, LCD sound system into like an actual project that could be worth a damn. And what do you know? You got someone who's also looking to cash in and potentially exploit an artist. Uh, tale as old as time. Uh, but time to get away. I, I do like this track quite a bit. Sorry, Mark. Uh, first of all, you did remind me that the the cowbells and the there's like the funk organ that happens yeah. in this track, which I think are are worth their weight in gold. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I don't know if you noticed this, and this could just be a, a fan theory on my part. Um, but like when when I saw and probably you from the same era, when I saw him live, it was before this album came out and that first album, he's not doing a ton of singing on it. So when I saw him live, didn't really notice anything. But he on this album, he's really doing things with his vocals, even this song, which is a lot of talky. He's doing these like falsetto, like just jams into these like falsetto moments, which are great. Um, and then when I watched the 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 live concert, He's great. He's super um, engaging as a frontman, but I I feel like he was experimenting with his vocal things a little bit less. And maybe he didn't have his like studio bag of tricks or whatever. But uh, we do know that like once again, fan theory here. We do know that that and he's he said this before that like being a little self conscious is probably his biggest his biggest enemy. And I wonder I wonder if he's more comfortable experimenting with the vocal stuff in the studio um, than he is live. I just went that was just one thing I noticed is uh, he tends to do a little bit more vocally in the studio but i don't know it's just yeah i think that's a good theory especially in light of that uh uh, anecdote that you shared earlier that he had to line the studio with uh you know aluminum tinfoil or something like that right right right. (laughs) in order to to get better acoustics or some mad genius thing but um yeah yeah there was clearly an oc ocd element to that too because he had to like take it with him as like a (laughs) superstitious good luck charm and yeah Yeah, like a crutch yeah. Uh, but, uh, Steve, any, anything? Yeah. His vocals, sometimes even on this album, there, there are tracks where the vocals are a little too uh, dopey sounding for my taste. Dopey is not the word, maybe just sarcastic sounding, but I think as the, I think he definitely tries to get away from that either on, on subconsciously or consciously as he became more confident in his singing style. But you saw a lot of that in this scene where they were just like, well, someone's got to say some words. And a lot of times it was like, well, you know, like I can't be sincere here. So I got to kind of sound like a screechy, like, uh, you know, weasel guy. And um, I don't necessarily hear that on on this track as much. But uh, yeah, de- de- definitely 
as Eric says, like his confidence in his vocals, I think it it comes and it goes. And towards the end of the band's lifespan, I think it grew in a a better direction. As far as this track goes, this is is definitely one of the funkier songs on the album. Uh, And it's got those, uh, those like uh, Coke bottle percussion kind of builds in it that they're good at doing. Um, Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I really, I, I, I dig that. I dig that whole, uh, that whole sound. Yeah, this is a very organic sounding song, I think. It's a good one. The thing about James Murphy's like um, singing style, at times, uh, that dopey uh, quality that you uh, described it as, I also sometimes think that he he's singing like he has a head cold. Because um, he he's, has a difficult time like kind of enunciating. That's just his style. I don't think it's a difficult. I think that it's just a choice. Um, but he sounds like he has a head cold, uh, much like I probably sound right now. Um, it's like a movement the biggest city, you know, like uh, off the first record, that song movement. He does that kind of uh, breathe, like singing through his nose kind of um, style. I'm sure you, maybe you've noticed it. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. No, I actually did. It was actually a song off the first album which did just sound like it, it sounded like he had a, a um, what do they call that? A neti kettle. Uh, he had yeah. Neti yeah. Right a neti pot. Right yeah. yeah. Neti pot right to go up the, right up to go up the nose there. I mean, and uh, I get some of that on this record. Uh, let me think of your, anything, not really anything in particular off this record that he does that singing style, but sometimes I uh, certainly on that first record. And I think on this is happening. That also uh, comes back pretty strong too. Uh, but yeah, that time to get away. I like it. I think it's a good danceable track and, uh, yeah, banging on the Coke bottles or the cowbell. Uh, that's definitely a signature sound for LCD. And I hear that in other DFA type bands as well. Um, so let's, uh, take a look at North American scum. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, where to begin? We are North Americans And for those of you who still think we're from England We're not, no We bid our planes and our trains till we think we might die Far from North America Where the buildings are old and you might have lots of mimes Uh-huh, uh-huh I hate the feeling when you're looking at me that way Cause we're North Americans But if we act all shy It'll make it okay It makes it go away Oh, I don't know, I don't know Oh, where to begin When we're North Americans But in the end Make the same mistakes all over again Come on, North And uh, traditionally, your track three's got to be your, your your radio hit, and this is no exception. This is a super catchy track. I do believe this was a, a bit of a hit for them. They certainly had a single and a few remixes for it. Not the only one on this album, and probably not the biggest hit on this album, but nonetheless, it's a uh, it's a tight five, uh, super catchy little track. Um, it's it's an interesting. The lyrics are are super interesting to the song. Um, he 
it starts by kind of explaining maybe especially during the Bush era, um, this was wrapping up the Bush era, about, you know, being North American, um, you know, in the end we make the same mistakes all over again. Like uh, we were very embarrassed to be, I mean, well, some of us were embarrassed to be Americans during the Bush era. And it, like if you traveled overseas and stuff, you'd have to, like he says in the song, you know, you have to act all shy and it'll make it go away uh, in those situations. Um it's kind of like it was a bit of a shame, and I'm sure uh, I didn't get to travel overseas during the Trump era, but I'm sure there'd be a similar, there would be that similar feeling, that similar cloud hanging over you as you got around. Um, but I like he 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 acknowledges it, and then he kind of wears it as a badge of honor, but not like in an ignorant like uh, <laughs> like those guys with the uh, what is it the infidel stickers on their car, not like that, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I know like yeah. the Punisher, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not like that, but a little bit of a bag, like a badge of honor. Like, you know, we like to party and all that. And then like in our cities, he's talking about New York, but I think it's a generic city. Like we have these pockets where these, like these crazy religious Americans that the conservatives of the world thinks are there. We don't let them on the street kind of thing. Like we have our own protections against that, that you may not know. And I kind of like all that. Um, I think it's a great time to connect it to his, his singing style because, uh, you know, I, uh, any chance I get, I'll talk about how I'm not crazy about the, the, the talking your way through a song. We know that I'm just, just a reminder for our listeners. Um, but I, I've given it a lot of thought on this one because it, it often works for him because he's either doing it kind of artsy, like, like talking heads, like, uh, like I said, half LCD songs could just be his take on, um, the, uh, you know, the, the days go by uh talking heads track yeah um, i definitely got some david Byrne on this one too yeah, there yeah yeah, yeah 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 or it's you know you know what's funny on this one is that i got some robert smith uh i i get a little bit of that too yeah, yeah when, right. he, when he does the when he does like the ah, ah, yeah yeah, it, it, yeah. He, he hits that yeah. he does the only other guy whales, that hits yeah. that same weird cat call yeah. register yeah. as robert smith <laughs> yeah. the alley catterwall yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like it's really something but yeah. when, when when he's talking, he's either David burning it or he's Lou reading it, which is like um, this kind of like uh, he we talked about Lou Reed extensively and I'm not crazy about his whole catalog. But some of the ones that are even really well respected, like his New York album, um, he is just like he's like Bob Dylan talking. <laughs> Lou Reed's Bob Dylan talking. Then James Murphy will do that from time to time on this, too, where he's just kind of telling these like uh, these gutter poems. Um, in between hooks and that's okay. I, I, I enjoy it. I think for the most part, at least he's witty, like James Murphy, you know, he went to school to be a writer. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a clever dude. So, you know, that's, that's fine. But sometimes it is like Steve was saying, sometimes it seems phoned in and, and it'd be nice to just hear the music in that case. But this particular song is different. Uh, he does talk, but he ramps up every measure and a half to say, cause we're North Americans. And you hear the little kids say it, or uh, not kids. It's, yeah. not kids. it's, it's probably kids. Nancy. It's Nancy. Yeah. 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 It's not. Yeah. I, I think I the, was, you know, speaking of ramping it up though, those, I mean, he, they really do ramp it up. I, I noted on this track that they really make an effort to, uh, the choruses get a lot louder and yeah. I, I, I dig it. Like, I think this, the chorus in the, in the song is the part that really does it for me. They just, they, oh, just, yeah. they blow the speakers out with that whole, that North American part. Yeah, yeah. When they and that guitar, that do 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 do. It's uh, it's good stuff. Well, it's a great, it's great because they give you a little taste of the chorus in every verse, like every other line in every verse. North every America. Verse. Yeah, they give you a little taste, and then they get to it, and you're right, it gets bigger every time. They add a little bit more every chorus. 
Um, it is a fun hit. It's it's also got Tyler Pope on guitar and bass on this track. And yeah, Nancy is singing and Marcus uh, Lampkin is clapping, clapping. Um, it's a great, I mean, I think, I think it's great. I, um, I, I, I got a, a little Lou Reed on for, like I said, from him on the verses on this one, um, but in the best way. And, um, but he found a way to, to make that speaking also like a, a, he can, he does a little catchy singing in between, which works. And, um, I kind of, you know, I like what it's about. It's a very nuanced approach to being American during a time when America's not super popular. So yeah, uh, this is a, a solid single and I give it my stamp of approval. Mark. Nice. Uh, so yeah, this song uh, definitely caught my interest immediately when I first heard the uh, single before the record came out. Got me very excited for it. Uh, some things that I always uh, look out for, those bubbling bass lines, just it bubbles all throughout. It's it's good stuff. Um, and I do like the fact that it's not a jingoistic song by any means. It's not like uh, Lee Greenwood over here. But there, he hides no shame about seeing as a scum from the hipsters that live in Europe because, you know, all the cool parties and all the cool clubs and all the cool DJs always are in Europe. Um, I like the fact that this points out that, sure, there's differences in the culture, um, but he doesn't feel guilty about being an American or, in this case, a North American, seeing probably including Canada in the mix. Uh, if you watched the Shut Up and Play the Hits, um, three members of Arcade Fire come out and do backing vocals on this track when they do it live. Uh, and that guitar riff is an absolute earworm. I, I love it. And if I was to describe LCD Sound System for somebody who had never heard them and, and heard this song, um, I would say if like uh, Cake uh, actually was formed out in uh, Brooklyn, um, this is a song that they probably would have come up with. It, it's very... Uh, it has what you would call rising action. It, it rocks, <laughs> and it doesn't. It uh, it helps that Tyler uh, Pope was also in that band as well. Yeah, it all ties. That ties the 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 catchphrase of our podcast together with uh, one of the artists that are speaking of tonight. And cake. That's good. Good. Good job, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> just, just give James a, a fisherman hat, and we you got yourself a, a student. Hey, for the, the current from the news desk. Uh, Eric brought up Bob Dylan. You see that uh, somebody was making accusations that like 87 years ago he uh, he did terrible things. I did. No, this is news to me. No, yeah, it was like a, it's like a 56 year old situation that happened where yeah, it was you know, like it's a 12 year old girl said he was giving her drugs and and uh, and doing stuff. But I think he was like they proved that he was like filming. What was that? What was that? No, exa- exactly. Yeah. They, they so this yeah. I mean, always you should. Hear people out, and we heard this person out, and she said that back in his uh, like bl- blood on the tracks days or something, he during one month in New York, he groomed her and did bad things, and then uh, the history books show that he was in Europe that entire time, and uh, it's near impossible. So we're probably just gonna check it off the list. But uh, oh boy, yeah, uh, God Bob man, I know. Almost on the li- I mean, you, you look at Bob Dylan now, you think, well, with that message, maybe, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I don't think I, I don't. I, in this case, I don't think uh, Bob did what someone, unfortunately, maybe have misremembered he did. We're not sure. Oh man, I mean, um, don't get me started when someone kicked over uh, David Bowie's coffin on a podcast, and it created all of this uh, hoopla 
on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I was was not too happy to hear about all that. But um, I don't know. We that's. I mean, if we really, if we really, yeah. I mean, we might as well just. If we're gonna do it, we might as well just say, okay, every artist from the seventies, uh, let's just read the rap sheets. Uh, there's just, uh, it was bad times. Uh, I, I'm not excusing any of it, but you know, that's. You all get to listen to Donovan. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> that's all you get. <laughs> Donovan. <laughs> world. Uh, or the, uh, or the, uh, uh, what was that fucking band? The Osmonds. Yeah. That's it. Enjoy. That's all you get. Well, we might as well enjoy the next song. What's the next song? I think it's uh, a song that uh, perfectly encapsulates what it's about. It's about someone great. I wish you- I just uh, someone great, uh, as cliche as it might be. I'm sure all three of us on this on this podcast. This song is one of the most well-known songs of theirs to me. Uh, was it a single, Mark? I think it was a single. Was it? It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've got they it. made a music video. Yeah, I've got it on a few playlists I've made throughout the years. I've always really liked this song. It's hard not to like this song. Um, it, it's I, I I've never I don't really dive into his lyrics that deeply. And I think part of that just has to do with the fact that uh, I already went on record that his vocal stylings are not my favorite. Um, So I don't know if this is some kind of love song or what the hell it's even about. But I can tell you that it's one of the more emotional songs to me sounding. Um, I mean, this song always sounded to me like a a maudlin, downbeat kind of robot love song. Um, If a robot tried to cry, like the vision... If a robot can cry, that sound of that robot crying is this song. It just has those really cool, like, ping-ponging synths. And what I mean by ping-pong is it actually sounds like pong. Like, bong, 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 bong. It sounds like the game pong. And uh, I just think it's very emotive. I think it does a great job of having some kind of uh, analog robotic pathos. It's a good song. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, uh, catch me, uh, 12 hours ago. Driving up to the Galleria Mall to do a gap exchange. Crying well, that's going to go into the Galleria Mall is going to make a strong man cry, period. Well, okay, cry, <laughs> wiping tears out of my eyes as this song came on uh, earlier today. Yeah, this, yeah, this is uh, just cards on the table. This is my, this is my track off this album. This is my fave, maybe my, by the band in general. Um, Steve, you're, you're spot on in the sense that it's, it's emotional. It's, it's earnest. It is not ironic, um, and it is. Uh, it's actually about. Um, it's about the death of James Murphy's uh, psychologist um, or therapist or, or uh, whomever, 
Um, obviously not a lot of information about that, except when you look in the lyrics, I mean, there are just some, some golden moments. It's a, it's, it's a song that can be broadly interpreted as, as just mourning for somebody that you care about that's, that's gone now. And I think for that, it tapped into me. It probably could tap into anybody for that. Um, but there are some very specific things in here, uh, that deal with the situation that are, are interesting. Like, I wish that we could talk about it, but there, that's the problem. Like. If anybody else died, he'd have his therapist to talk to about it. But the therapist is the one that died. Clearly, somebody that was very, very close to him that really supported him through a lot of hard times, and he was gone. And he's talking about how, like, clearly that at some point they they also had like a friendship relationship. His wife met the therapist. So he talks a little bit about that in there. Um, there's some great other great lines like the worst is all the lovely weather. I'm stunned it's not raining. Um, and I love the way he sings. There's a um, xylophone riff that's going on in the background and he's just he's mimicking that perfectly and you know james doesn't necessarily have the greatest range in the world but he's just he's singing it's very sweet and it's true and i really like his vocal riffs in this in this track it gets to me the rest of the music is special it sounds like alphaville or um like if you were at like your 20 year high school reunion like the last song they play on the dance floor um in that sense where it's just like just really pretty but still danceable but slow synth lines um this awesome bass bass synth that really just kind of keeps you keeps you moving um it's just uh, there's this little like uh scratchy thing that happens it's just sadly beautiful um I, I I like it a lot. This is my favorite track on the album, and like I said, I mean, I got some other stuff going on in my life, but it <laughs> it got me on the on the freeway today for sure. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I I do really enjoy this track. Uh, it's uh, minimal and it's uh, kind of backing in its musical instrumentation, but it's highly effective. Um, the synth, uh, not to be like snarky about it, but it sounds like a dial-up ringtone um, that you're trying to connect with somebody. I think it's a really good motif for what is actually being said here. Um, even if like you're not reading the lyrics in a more of a literal sense about a obituary for, you know, a therapist that James Murphy is obviously it's autobiographical. Um, but I think it's easy to relate. Uh, if you've ever kind of gone through the moment of loss with someone uh, close that you've shared thoughts, feelings, and emotions with, I know uh, the three of us, we certainly have a friend of the show and may he rest in power. Uh, definitely shared some experiences, no more than, you know, Steve and uh, Jason. Um, and it's, I, I can't help but reflect on on some of those feelings uh, about having those conversations with that individual. Um, and now I can't, and I'm sure Stephen feels even more intensely than I do. Um, but even in death, you're always kind of looking for the person to confide in and knowing that person was always there for you. And now, you know, like, well, what life is going to keep on going and troubles are going to keep on coming. And you don't have that person, that anchor to kind of help bounce those ideas off of you. And so you have to face yourself. What questions, like, what do you, what do you do now? Like, do you try to find somebody else? Um, it's a powerful song. It's, it's a really powerful song kind of hidden in a, uh, I would say danceable. It's not like overly emotive. I mean, James Murphy is not a uh, Robert Smith to for that or a Morrissey crooner. Um, so you, you kind of, 
have to work your way through his kind of sardonic um, delivery when he does do these songs. Uh, you do have to kind of find the uh, the emotion within. And kind of like what Stephen was saying, like how does a robot, you know, deal with the emotions? And I think this this kind of does a really, really good job of being able to paint the picture. Um, but it does require a little bit of like, oh, let's take a look at actually what, what what's being said here. Um, and I, I did enjoy that piece of kind of dissecting this because I used to just like, okay, you know, this is just kind of washed over me without really analyzing what he was actually saying. So it's, good track. It's, it's interesting you say that too about the whole robot thing, because initially the lyrics are very much like, okay, this guy died. How is it affecting me? Is, is what James say? Like, how is it a, like, you know, kind of that robot that like AI first, like, Okay, yeah. Wait, how is this going to affect my ones and zeros? This person's gone. And then he gets to this, you know, there was more of a rich relationship uh, beyond just the selfish in there, which which I, I thought was, uh, I don't know, I think it's a sweet, sweet little track. Yeah, I mean, it couldn't be a, like a family member. It could be a friend. Um, it could be anyone. Um, it's it's a highly relatable track. And uh, uh, I think it's it's done very effectively, even though it's not done with the intention of really pulling at your heartstrings. You have to kind of work for it a little bit on this one. So good, good stuff. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, talk about the next track, which is All My Friends. So that's how it starts. like we we always pull up what is a good trilogy of songs obviously like you've got the uh the three right in the middle of downward spiral that we talked about um but i gotta say tracks three four and five from this album are a pretty fantastic trilogy of tracks as far as your your foot starts and it never lets up um and then we get to at least for somebody that never listened to this album from start to finish, this song I knew, this song had been around, I'm sure it's been it was been in a hundred TV shows. It was probably retroactively re-edited into episodes of the OC. Um, but it's uh, uh All My Friends is a it's a it's a pretty little song, and it's basically LCD's mission statement as far as Mark described it. Um, and just getting old and uh reflecting on the on the on, on the uh, the old party days um yeah specifically this track is about coming back home and getting your friends together and doing what you used to do party drugs that kind of stuff but in your head knowing this can't last forever and you just enjoy it because this could be the last this could be the last time 
people move on, people do different things. Um, you know, uh, talking about, um, you know, sh showing your age, um, where the sun comes up and you don't want to stop. You can keep going, except you remember the memory of our better. So you think of your, your other half and you're like, Oh, do I really want to be coming home at noon tomorrow? Yeah. I better go home. That kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's, that's pretty true to life. It may not be the deepest sentiment, but it's certainly a relatable one. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> There's another great, like you spent the first five years trying to get with the plan and the next five years trying to be with your friends again. Um, so like you, you, you try to set yourself up for, you know, a good life. And then, and then you, then you hit nostalgia mode and want to get back with your friends, which, which, which is great. Um, and uh, I think it's a, I think it's a relatable song. Um, I think it is very informed by a, this kind of scene life that James Murphy certainly is proud of. Um, but I think, I think it's, uh, it's still fun and I think it's sweet and I think there's some real earnestness to it as well. Um, and I do really like the, uh, it has a really catchy, uh, melody. Um, it's just, there's this one note that just kind of plays at a, you know, mid-level beat. Um, and then things kind of build up around it. Um, and I think the, ba it, the base of the, the basis of the song, that musical piano sounds like yeah. Linus from peanuts. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's good. The guitar uh, repetition, um, and feedback solo kind of makes it kind of makes it an ultimate reunion song uh, somewhere. There's going to be a reunion movie about a bunch of bros that get back together and the song's going to be the end credits. And you know what? It's that good that it transcends the cliche. It's fine. Um, they did make a EP around this where LCD uh, covers Joy Division's No Love Lost and they do a great job on that. Um, their little song Freak Out Starry Nights from the 4533 uh, album is on there. And then Franz Ferdinand covers the track and John Cale from the Velvet Underground covers it. It's a pretty great little EP. Uh, wow. Hats, uh, so hats off to that EP for doing something special with this song. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a, it's a great, and I think, like I said, it's a nice little, uh, topping hat on the last three songs of, uh, of, uh, this trilogy of badassery. Uh, that's what I got to say about this. Well, to, to follow up on what Eric had to say about the lyrical content. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do like a song that kind of, even if it is heavy handed, talks about maybe, uh, the best days of your life reflecting on them or also. Uh, you know, reminding you that uh, you, you better make sure you still enjoy the time you have now. Um, I often think about the uh, cinematic masterpiece, Star Trek first contact where uh, Captain Picard always says like, I realize now there's more days behind than there is ahead. And when you're 40 years old and God knows how long we're all going to live. I, I start to actually think about that. And I start to think about how important it is to still, even when uh, I'm locked in a house, most of the time and I spend most of my time just working to keep in touch with you guys and even something as stupid as a podcast. Like there's a value to that and there's a value to, uh, you know, don't, don't dwell too much on counting, you know, the, the five years that were behind and how many you might got left. I mean, to, uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is summed up very well by, uh, Iron Maiden and the great song wasted years, which when they were on tour, they, they started thinking about they're doing all these great things. But, uh, you know, 
uh, quit quit thinking about what's coming up next and just focus on the great things they're doing now and enjoying it because when you're old you're gonna you're gonna regret it if you don't live in the moment um anyhow i think that there's there there there's there's a world here somewhere where james murphy's kind of singing about appreciating how time moves by and i i like that it's a cliched topic but I, I I dig it. Yeah, if I was to describe like the overall sound of the song, um, I would say if like New Order and Underworld formed like a band, uh, the repetitiveness of Underworld mixed with the kind of jangly atmospheric guitars of New Order um, are both present in the song. Uh, it works incredibly well for me. I, I don't know. Musically, it does a perfect job of orchestrating the monotony and the repetition of life and how you're trying to essentially break out of that by essentially sometimes getting together and um, partying the night away with some of your old friends. But it's not ultimately about just like, hey, remember the glory days? Remember like uh, all of these fun experiences that we all share together? Um, it, it The reflective nature of the whole lyrics actually make this in contention, if not it's possibly my favorite song off the record, uh, just based off of the lyrics and how uh, James Murphy delivers it. Uh, he really speeds things up with, you spent the first five years trying to get with the plan, and then like later you drop the first 10 years just as fast as you can, and the next 10 people. I mean, just how he just kind of shotguns that all out. Um, and with a face like a dad and a laughable stand, you can sleep on the plane or review what you said. Uh, that. That that one hits for me because um, uh, I don't know how many times that I've uh, gone to social gatherings and I essentially have a highlight reel just running in my goddamn head about I say that to that person. What do you think that came off of? I just it just that oh, yeah. definitely social, social anxiety that just increases with age. Yes. <laughs> when you're drunk and your ki kids leave impossible tasks. But yeah, the social anxiety of like, oh my God, did I make an ass of myself? Did I embarrass my wife? Uh, are my friends even going to be my friends after tonight? You know, um, that's funny as I care, as I get, I care less. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, I haven't been to any huge social gatherings in a yeah, while. Well, sure. But, uh, I'll ask you guys that. I just, uh, I don't give a shit as much. As I used to, but there definitely was a period where and this is not like I've had any kind of, uh, you know, brain realization about life. It's probably a bad thing. It's probably it's probably like when George Costanza just starts wearing sweatpants in public. Like, who gives a shit? You know, I'll say whatever I want. But uh, no, I mean, I, I am I embrace that attitude as well. I mean, I, I definitely admire it that people can do that. But um, I, I for me, like the worst thing in my thing is to hurt someone's feelings or be malicious to anybody else. And I sometimes agree. in my snarkiness, I feel like, did I go too far? And no, you know, no, I, I'm picking up what you're saying, uh, putting down there. I, yeah, I appreciate that. You're the kind of person that thinks that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I never, I, I find in my work life, I am actually, sometimes I regret this, but I, I will be a guy that circles back. Like, I'm like, Hey, did I shit? I hope you didn't take that the wrong way. I'm sure out there some, somewhere, some bloodthirsty sales rep or something's been like, Steve, you cuck. You check to make sure you didn't hurt their feelings. I'm like, no, I yeah, sure like fuck your feelings. Uh, like, <laughs> right, exactly. Because that's that's the worst thing in the world for me is if I ruin someone's day. That that's just um, I, I take that 
too close to heart. And then that's the shit that I'm just like, Oh, should I have said that? Like, how did that come off? Um, but, uh, I also really like that. The fact that it points out that, you know, friendships ebb and flow. Uh, it's just divergence of paths. I mean, how many times have we all ebbed and flowed in our friendship? I mean, we've all like seemingly have come together, but you know, we've all been, I, I, feel like I'm holding down Sacramento for the most part, this particular area, but you've both have had experiences where you've left and hell, you made a podcast about it called long distance relationship. <laughs> you know, Mark never existed. <laughs> it's been scrubbed. It's been never scrubbed. It's the, duck, it's the Duncan Chino. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's been scrubbed. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, uh, yeah it well, Mark, you, you know, didn't you find another friend that has the same name, Steve? I did, but we're not like it's it's you, you take in, uh, work out of that and like we're we're friends, but most of our conversations are still revolve around a shared experience. And that's work. If you take that out, I don't know if it would still stand the test of time. Good. Steve's paying very close attention for the ranking of this friend. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be getting some other text messages from the other Steve when he hears this episode after you said that. I mean, I, I think I mean, trust me, he's. The only thing that really keeps me at my current job, he keeps me sane. Trust me, Steve. The other Steve knows he's the second Steve. Is what you're saying? That's all I want to hear. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I we've talked about this. We've been extremely like uh, candor about this. Just the fact, like you know, if one of us were to leave, we probably wouldn't talk to each other as much, nearly as much. And it just happens. That's life. You know. I've got. I've got my. I've got my buddy, I've told you guys before, that we have everything in common, except he probably was in Washington on January 6th. And uh, I definitely know if I didn't work with that guy, I would never speak to him. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got one of those myself. Also at work. (laughs) Although if Steve was somehow in footage from January 6th... Like I would believe it was an accident that he got there. Like, like, like somebody tripped him and he fell into the, you know, he fell off the sidewalk. Well, the same, but, the same could be said for Jay Johnston. Yeah, exactly. What happened exactly? <laughs> I know. Like, does anyone have eyes on him? Is he like Randy Quaid right now, just hitting like in an RV somewhere? <laughs> uh, does remind it does remind me of the Mister Show book where they would say like he got really good at going around when people would get like parking ticket boots on their car. He would, he had like a way to like break the boot off and, and uh, he would go around uh, freeing people's cars from, uh, from the law. Um, you know, he's a real uh, handyman. Oh boy. Well, that was a, that was all a prelude. You see, it was a preview. Then he was freeing them from the tyranny of boots. And now he's freeing them from the tyranny of masks. It's all tied together. That's right. That's right. Jay Johnston, you know, that video of uh, Larry Elder and Clovis tonight, having all those people scream about not wearing masks and how happy they are. I bet you Jay's in that video. Oh, man. I mean, uh, Trump got booed in Alabama for telling people like, hey, maybe it's not a good idea for my voters to catch this and die. So get the vaccine. Boo. There's definitely oh things are taking a, uh, the uh, Frankenstein. The wolf is on the loose. It's, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, what have we stormed, created? Stormed yeah. out of the lab and they can't get it back in. So. Oh, wow. Well, this took us on a divergent path, but uh, from Jay Johnston to uh, Frankenstein. But I think the, the next track, I think uh, we can talk a little bit about it because it is called Us... V them. The time has come, the time has come. 
Yeah, this is a, um, you know, this is a definitely a, a rager as far as as far as the songs go. I mean, they're all dancing. That's LCD's thing. You wanted to, you wanted to be in a band that didn't play clubs, that played that played dance, you know, dance parties, and um, this is no exception. Um, it's you got Patrick Mahoney doing drums and percussion and claps. You got Tyler Pope doing guitars and bass and something called the Fun Machine and claps. And you've got uh, Nancy Wang back doing vocals. Um, and you've got Eric Brusek doing claps and vocals. Um, or just claps, sorry. Oh no, doing vocals in this one. Claps is the for uh, this this song starts uh, very talking headsy. It's got a the some of the repetitive um, uh, James Murphy talking uh, verses, but it's fine. The music's definitely doing doing something fun. No, there's not much to the lyrics. Um, it seems to be about not feeling like you have a plan, not feeling like you don't have a plan. So when you don't know what to do, all you have left to do is dance. It's kind of what it feels like. Um, I do like when he shouts bells. And you hear the ding, 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 ding bells. That's a great moment. And you see it. Uh, he plays that up live, which is a great, a great moment. Um, and it is. It's just a nice, like, foot stomp or dance. Doesn't necessarily swell you up in the melody or atmosphere until you get to the cloud, block out the sun. And it becomes almost like a polyphonic spree song as he's singing about the, <laughs> the sun, you know, over me and spoil all the fun. It's kind of reverse, though, because, like, the sun is killing the party because the parties happen at night, right? So, um, you know, so cloud block out the sun over me and spoil, spoil all the fun, won't you please? And it's an awesome. It, it builds into a, it's a beautiful part of the song. And the, it totally turns tail at the, the, the end and turns into something huge. Um, so, yeah, this song's a blast. Uh, Mark. Yeah, this song for me is reminiscent of their earlier track on their self-titled record uh, titled Yeah. Um, yeah, was just like uh, James Murphy repeating that word um, ad nauseum um, as essentially it just devolved into this just jam psychedelic freak out. This is a bit more focused, though, um, than that one. It chugs along like a steam train. To your point, it's definitely made for the dance floor. It's definitely made uh, where you want to just throw some glow sticks in the air and start raving, but it's doing it in an organic way. And when I say organic, like there's actually instruments being played along with the synthesizers and uh, the programming. Um, it has rising action as it feels like it's building to the time has come only to th slow things down just a little bit. But then you get some like whirly burly bass action, like where it's like, woo, 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 and hand claps to say that was just a little break, you know, stay with us. And then um, the clouds blocking out the sun. Um, it's it's a fun track. I mean, if you're fully invested in the LCD sound system, you may think, okay, let's get to the next thing. Um, but it just seems to be like a, it's a party. And uh, if this is, you know, the stock and trade of what LCD sound system is all about, you know, they, they want to play shows that have a little bit of punk, have a little bit of you know, eighties pop and have a little bit of EDM electronic dance music. So you get everything in this song. So I like it. I like it quite a bit. Now what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. When I wrote in my notes is what you just said, Mark, the punk, the dance, the, a uh, little bit of the eighties, uh, you know, that reminds me a lot of my, the party days in San Francisco and 
going to you know dive bars that had dance nights that that was the kind of that's where you'd hear this uh, like there was a place called uh, delirium and they would have a you know similar to your your lipsticks but you know more like cooler san francisco version of such a thing and that's that's where you hear, that's where you would hear this song and instead of glow sticks in the air it would be you know cans of Pabst. but uh yeah definitely the rising action the organic rising action uh, the percussion that again sounds like spoons on a uh, Coke bottles, and it, this song really reminds me of. Um, I could see the influence, or at least the fact that they had his ear of Mr. Tr. I could I could draw a line from this song to a came back haunted pretty pretty well. Don't you guys think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tr is definitely a fan of LCD, and you can yeah. hear it. Yeah, or like the yeah. last the last half of uh, the uh, all the love in the world. Yeah, maybe. I can see where you're coming from there. That's a little bit more subdued. I think that uh, Hesitation Marks has some parts that are, the sound gets really big and dancey, especially with that fretless bass going on. Mm -hmm. Um, They remind me of LCD sound system, especially this song. This song just reminds me of Hesitation Marks. Yeah, I see it. I mean, a little bit more dancey than anything you'd find on Hesitation Marks, but certainly that uh, just let's put everything into the meat grinder and see what comes out. Um, I, I definitely can see where that line is going. Um, so without further ado, uh, let's uh, watch the tapes. Read all the pamphlets. And watch the tapes. Read all the pamphlets. And watch the tapes. Read all the pamphlets. And watch the tapes. Uh, get all confused with you. Mix up the dates. Actually, just doing vote backup vocals in this particular track. Um, this is probably the most punky on this album. It's um, in a way kind of like uh, moments reminds me of some Clash or some Gang of Four. Um, it's got a bouncy kind of guitar strum over the dancey beat. Uh, lyrically, um, watch the tapes. Uh, it definitely has like a a feel of like. Uh, almost like a conspiracy kind of thing, but that's not really happening in this song. Apparently it's like um, in club culture, it's looking for um, this song is really about like looking for the next like designer drug. Um, 
and uh, the the ways they go to bring it to you, like there's like there's all sorts of weird promotion <laughs> that goes into it, uh, reading flyers and checking tapes. But at one point he does get, and that's what I love about James Murphy is like, what do I give a fuck about some like, you know, dance club culture designer drug? Like that's not that in itself is not a song. That being said, you know, I did just jam out to sipping on some scissor uh, last week, so. <laughs> But not a deep song does that make. But in the middle, he says, oh, people, they deceive you. The kids never leave because you you make them at home. You try to appease them and they show you the stick. But still you pick up the phone. But hey, man, you can take it. And it's like this kind of moment where like everybody loves you when you're in that scene, when you're the DJ or when you're at the party or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily, these aren't deep relationships. So when things quiet down and you're at home and you pick up the phone, there's not necessarily anybody on the other, the other end. It's, 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 it's a shallow, it's a shallow relationship in itself, which I think is interesting. Uh, the track itself, the melody may not be the most earwormy, but there's a very catchy drum beat and bass loop happening. And, um, there's these cool, like, um, electric light orchestra, uh, Awoo's happening in the background, which I appreciate. Um, it's 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 fine. It's a it's a it's a mid tier track on this album for me. Uh, but after that that trilogy, or some would call a quadrilogy, of the last four tracks, it's a nice little breather. Mark, I mean, I feel like we have the same notes. It's uh, pretty in- amazing <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, instead of the uh, uh, talk about ELO, I, I definitely found little Warren Zevon, the werewolves of love and London during the, ah, uh, woohoo part. Uh, and I, I, I almost verbatim said this song is good, but it's in the second tier of songs for me on the record. It, it, it's not a skippable track in the sense. I mean, it can be if you're just kind of like, okay, I'm not in the mood for this right now, but it's not a bad song. If you're listening to the rest of the record all the way through it it doesn't offend in any port, uh, point because it is the most punky. It is the most gang of four. I, I am absolutely hearing that post-punk kind of thing about. It, it's about going to shows, getting drunk, and then having obligations to attend to. Um, I do enjoy that uh, some of the lyrics in here, like, hey, the rock writer told me to tell you, uh, though you're great and you're brave, you still lack that which makes you a star. And then kind of the call and response of read all the pamphlets and watch the tapes. Um, so, you know, I mean, when you're uh, just walking down the street, someone's handing you a flyer about what, you know, show that you need to go to. And, um, and when it comes to watching the tapes, it's all about like, I don't know what he's really trying to <laughs> talk about there, but it's, it's a B tier um, song on a on a on a great record so far, um, it, but it's it doesn't do much for me. It, it's not an earworm. Um, there are some elements on here that I do enjoy. It's it's it seems very just. Let's go to the garage and hit record really fast. So I do appreciate that about it. So with that, uh, we can talk about um, these the title track. Let's hear what the sound of silver sounds like sound of silver talk to me makes you want to feel like a teenager until you remember the feelings of a real live emotional teenager then you think again sound of silver talk to me makes you want to feel like a teenager 
Until you remember the feelings of a real live emotional teenager. Then you think again. Sound of silver talk to me makes you want to feel like a teenager. Until you remember the feelings of a real live emotional teenager. Then you think again. All right, so that was Sound of Silver. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and plant my flag and draw the line in the sand. Um, this is likely my least favorite song on the record. Um, a, title, a title track being the least favorite song on the record. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. Um, and here's my explanation. It's uh, While musically nothing is offending me, I think the overall repetition and the delir- delivery of the vocal lyrics kind of pulls me out. Sound of silver, talk to me. It feel like a teenager. And you just get that over and over again. You know what's funny, though, is that I wrote yeah. down that like, these are literally some of my favorite lyrics by him because I find them to be so basic but so true. Like, the sound is so... Like, it reminds me of being a teenager, and then I realize yeah. that I don't, I don't like that, and I just I find that to be funny. So. <laughs> I mean, they're not bad. I mean, like, the, I'm not saying anything about the lyrics. Maybe it's just how they're delivered and over and over and over. Well, that gets that gets back to the lack of better term I have. It's just my biggest problem with this band. It's not a huge problem because they're not. You're not going to LCD sound system for the vocals or the lyrics. If you are, you're, that's you're right. In the wrong, you're in the wrong part of town. Yep. Yep. Hundred um, percent agree. But it definitely this does fall into the dopey category, in my opinion. You know. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah. I mean, I think um, so nostalgia continues to be the major theme and maybe that is their entire thesis statement because James Murphy was a little bit older as he, you know, formed this band. Um, but this one just hammers you over the head with it. it. It has its moments, but it's I think it's Tom Yorkian in its musical landscape. And I'm not saying like Radiohead, maybe if you're thinking of King of Limbs Radiohead, but I'm thinking like, you know, the eraser and his other stuff where it's not bad, but it's not great. It's middling. Um, the overall length of the track, I think is where it really starts to make me start checking my watch. It's very atmospheric. It sounds like it should have been a B side or a remix to another song. We never got to hear. I think that it just says all that it needs to say in three and a half minutes, but it just continues on for another three and a half minutes. Um, so that's that's my piece on Sound of Silver. I mean, I'd love to hear what you have to say because um, it sounds like we may be at loggerheads on this one. Oh no, I I, I think it's a fun one of the funner tracks on the album. Um, like the the just the the basicness of the lyrics I find funny. I mean, it's like any other song on here that kind of has like a you know, kind of has a a build to it. I I don't know. I think that the uh, the quality of the music and the the basicness of the the lyrics and the delivery and the repetition are they go against each other. I think musically this is a much better song than it is uh, lyrically or also um, rhythmically with the repetition. Like I just think that the music itself makes it worth uh, coming around for. That makes sense. I mean, like it. Like I said, it's not like where I'm like, oh my god, this is horrible. This is their worst song ever. It's just. Uh, I feel this is a really strong record um, with some really strong songs and it just seems to be kind of not fully realized. That's, that's all. I don't know. Yeah. But as far like when you get past the whole sound of silver talks to me, 
makes me feel like a teenager, which again, I, I like the lyrics, even though I don't think they're amazing. <laughs> the song does go on a journey. It's kind of Aphex 20 in at some parts. It's got, yeah, I'll like, give you that. Yeah. It's got stuff bouncing off the room. It's got some like weird angles to the sound. It's got a whole, it's got a whole section where it kind of sounds like it goes underwater. I think it's a pretty cool sounding song musically. And I it definitely like, a. It, it it's another one. I think I already mentioned that there's some songs by this band that make me remind me of the video game portal. Sure. No, actually that was, that was a uh, run the jewels. Some of LP's production remind me of the video game portal. And I, I name checked Mr. Murphy on that episode because he's, they're both gingers. Well, this, this guy also does some music sometimes. It reminds me of the video game portal where I could imagine there's parts of this song that make me feel like I'm in a sterile white room. And if I had a gun that could shoot sound, it would bounce off the walls. And uh, this song definitely does that for me in the midsection. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the sequencing. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, 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 there definitely is a come down period in these last two tracks. There's no question. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe I just need to give it more time. I mean, shit. I mean, does it doesn't the uh, on this one too? Uh, I'm squinting in my notes, and I, I can I'm finding things in them. The bass line kind of locks up with the lyric at one point. In the, uh, towards the end of the song. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's it's done really well. I think it's a doom 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 and it's just a pretty pretty groovy bass line. Um, yeah, this is a this is a this is a mild crossfire. I think the song's better than you do. Might a might a gentleman chime in? Might a gentleman chime in over here? Yeah, by all means. Yeah, take off your white gloves. That's right. I I think I would split the difference. With the so- with the softest cheese knife between the the two of you, um, uh, Steve. Typical, typical, typical lukewarm Eric. That's right. Make anybody mad? Exactly, they, Switzerland Eric. Yeah, <laughs> but I I think Steve's spot on that musically and production wise, the, this song goes to interesting places. Uh, maybe more interesting than a lot of other tracks on there because it it it, it goes into very extended dance grooves, but. Drums are switching ears from left to right. This is a headphone song. It's probably the most rewarding headphone song on the record. It's 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 interesting. Uh, some of the the inspirations from dub and stuff like that show up with the uh, just kind of the echoey bouncing off the walls kind of sound to the background, and I think it engages me for the full seven minutes. Um, lyrically, I I wouldn't agree that you don't go to LCD for the lyrics. I would say, like I said before, James. Murphy is a good writer. I think he's clever. I think even if he's phoning it in with his vocals, which I think is you're absolutely, and I would agree that you could absolutely take umbrage with, <laughs> with some of his delivery uh, over the years. I think he's, he's, he's a good writer. He's got an interesting way to, even if the subject matter is very shallow. I mean, listen, you're writing, what you got nine songs about missing club culture. I mean, you got to be a good writer to make some of that hit. And, and, and I think he's, I think he's good uh, about that. I mean, he's uh he was cast in the, um, the Rick Alverson movie, the comedy, um, which uh, starred Tim Heidecker, a great, very weird, very dry movie about the dangers of letting like being ironically funny, take over your personality. That's pretty much what that movie's about. And it's, it's good. It's a good movie. James, James is in that one. Uh, anyways, um, I think he's a funny guy and I think this is a funny line. That being said, Mark's absolutely right. That that's all he had to say on the song and it happens over and over and over again. So fair enough. 
but musically it takes you on a journey um it it is it's a little bit of a it diddles your brain a little bit more than the other tracks on here so i will go ahead and give a big thumbs up to sound of silver I mean, I, I, honestly, I'm I'm happy that both of you liked it. Um, that was the one song on here. I was like, Ugh, here we go. They're going to shred this one. Um, but hey, you guys are both wild cards and I'll take it. You know it. what? I will. I will. In my brain, maybe I just do this. I, uh, I, I just took that one little vocal thing that he does over and over again. And I imagine I was listening to Moby and it was a vocal sample. You know, it wasn't <laughs> actually to be. It was an instrument. It wasn't meant to be taken as a. You know, a lead vocal, yeah. I don't think it sounded. It didn't sound nearly old or Mississippian enough to be a sample from a movie record. That's true. No Delta Blues. I don't uh, know if this yeah. this thing's gonna sell any uh, sell any Hondas. Did you guys watch that that Woodstock '99 doc? I think you guys did. I uh, did. Oh man, it was good. Uh, uh, Moby has got his he, head so far up his ass, but he is like so mad that they didn't put his name on that welcome. That oh, <laughs> yeah, that I point. I was just like, this is what you're complaining about. You fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. And by yeah. the way, he has he has vegan tattooed on his body in 10 different places. And I, it just I says vegan. don't. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> look is fine. Listen, I, I look, I, I like the album play. I think it still holds up. Um, but that dude is weird especially well, with the natalie portman yeah, stuff well, he had an imaginary like... relationship with natalie portman <laughs> <laughs> he me too'd himself for no reason <laughs> i know oh man all right that's enough about that um so let's go to the album closer which is new york i love you but you're bringing me down new york i love you but you're bringing me down New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down Like a rat in a cage Pulling minimum wage New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down You're safer and you're wasting my time. Our records all show you were filthy but fine. But they shuttered your stores when you opened the doors to the cops who were bored once they'd run out of crime. Please don't change a thing Your mild billionaire mayor's now convinced he's a king And so the boring collect I mean all disrespect In the neighborhood bars I'd once dreamt I would drink Yeah, so uh, this one um, is an it, you know it's a nice closer. It uh, certainly a ballad, certainly in its way a love letter to New York. 
And in that respect, it is, um, and I will credit Mark for this because Mark in our writer's room sent a text uh, con connecting this track to Lou Reed. And um, uh, my mind automatically went there when I heard it. it definitely sounded like that, the New York album by, by Lou Reed um, in the sense that uh, it was, um, you know, you're telling these kind of like, kind of like you had to be there uh, anecdotes about living in New York, but anybody that's seen a city go into gentrification knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, and it's got Tyler Pope on it, um, playing bass. And this one has a lot of uh, Morgan Wiley on piano, Justin Chirno on guitar, uh, Jane Scarpentoni on cello, Lorenza Ponce on violin, Mimi Kimball on violin, and David Gold on viola. And there are strings and it's, it's epic. It's definitely a, a streetwise philosopher song. Um, it's, it's a beautiful ballad, um, that, that catches you. It's heartfelt. It's a little ironic. Um, you know, he loves New York, but once it got safe, it doesn't really inspire him as much yet. There are little moments here and there that keep him going. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you just put you just, just release a, a, a record store day seven inch side one, this side two, New York minute, and you've got yourself you got yourself a, a golden a golden idea there. Um, it's great, and there's a great noisy little solo about two thirds of the way through. Um, yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah, I I enjoy this song uh, quite a bit. It uh, also proves that New York is once again the fifth character on this album. I uh, <laughs> can't resist, man. Um, <laughs> Thank you for doing it. A, it's a Lou Reed type song. There's no question about how it's uh, city loves, how it's been diluted and watered down. Uh, someone who wants to hold on to the past and disdainfully looks at the city that it's had all of its teeth removed. Anything that was adventurous or exciting um, is now just been replaced by the M&M store and uh, things like that. And just everything is homogenized and safe and just compared to the wildness it used to inhabit. And the New York that existed in a suburban kid's mind is now not that same New York. It's not the reality. And just kind of even going further in, I can see this potentially even being a metaphor to the process of aging and how oneself also settles down over time and how you have to make amends with that. Or if you can take it at face value, just how much the city that you love has just turned into just boring and just not exciting anymore. And uh, while there's still love there, there's some depression and it's more of a Dear John letter. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like this track quite a bit. It always caught my attention. I love it. Yeah, I could speak towards, you know, cities changing, obviously living in San Francisco for almost a decade and getting in there before and during as it mutated into the Google city it is now. And uh, I was even there yesterday. We went down to Pacifica for the week, uh, the weekend, or no, just Saturday, Friday night, Friday night, and then drove back and we went through San Francisco and thankfully uh, the Saigon sandwiches still exists cash only and the best Vietnamese sandwiches you're going to find. But uh, many, many other places oh, are gone. I think you took me there. Those little, little bomb yeah, me. Little bomb me. Uh, many other places are gone. 
and uh, they, they've been gone for a long time in San Francisco. And it's just, yeah, as I was getting ready to move away from San Francisco, I could definitely relate to uh, this track. And um, yeah, it's whatever. I mean, I also think, though, Mark, to your point, though, uh, it's a lot easier to be in love with the idea of a city if you're going to be living that youthful city life. And if you're entering your mid-30s and it's definitely not what you want to do anymore. Some people want to do it forever. I certainly didn't. Uh, it definitely could also be looked at as a song about closing that uh, that chapter in general. And the New York, I love you, that New York you missed is also just the youth you miss. Which again, that's a topic he likes to get to. Uh, getting old, how much longer can I do this? That's uh, some bread and butter lyrical content for Mr. Murphy. I do think that's pretty cool on this track. He's singing about New York. Who's one of the most famous New Yorkers of all time, who we've already talked about tonight, Lou Reed? Definitely gives me vibes of a Lou Reed Transformer Transformer era song. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Yeah. No no question. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking his uh New York album, but yes. Totally. I mean, I get perfect day vibes off of this one. Um I never listened to the New York record by um Lou Reed, so uh you know, that's the only comparison I can really make. Yeah, Perfect Day is a good a good comparison too, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a great closer. Uh they close out that Don't they close out that uh that show on the in the concert dock um with this one? They do. And they, they drop it. all the balloons down in the audience and you're done. Pack that's it up. It. That was actually uh that was good like they they close it out, they have their after party, they like there's a whole like subplot about how they take all their equipment and put it in storage and it like mm-hmm. it's, it costs a lot of money to keep it there. So they have to like sell it. So he goes in to look at it one more time and like totally just loses it and starts crying. So it's a sweet little moment. Yeah, man. Storing things costs money. Uh, take it from a guy that <laughs> fucking always has to haggle with clients to buy solar panels from us early so we can get them out of this warehouse in Fresno. It's terrible. <laughs> For that bastard and it's been a long week You get home and there's cars all around your street There's a party going on You got Mark on the turntable spinning something on Eric's over by the punch pouring hooch Steve's in the kitchen feeding nachos to your pooch He made them in the microwave The microwave I'm like a hole is playing at your Ridiculous deposit into our Patreon. That dream could be a disgusting reality. But for anything less, it is a much appreciated tip and a way to show you appreciate what we do. Patreon.com slash pod like a hole. So that is Sound of Silver. I, I I didn't actually look into any bonus or remixes, Eric. Anything I mean, know that you've talked about a few of the EPs that uh, tangentially. Yeah, I talked about the ones that spoke. So the thing is, is DFA artists. Um, if you like that sound, if you like that kind of noisy analog meets digital hybrid dance music, you're gonna like all the artists on there. Some are noisier than others. Some are more poppy than others. And most of the remixes are done by them. Um, but like I said, the big, the big one is check out that all my friends, um, 
EP. Uh, it's great Joy Division cover. And then the, the even like Franz Ferdinand, say what you will, it's a perfect song for them to cover. And then uh, John Cale, you know, Velvet Underground. Uh, very cool get on that on that little EP. Um, worth your time. Well, there you go. All right, so let's rank this album out of, uh, let's see, out of how many uh, five cowbells? How many uh, cowbells are you given this? Uh, I'll give this four out of five cowbells. I will give it four out of five cowbells. This is, there's never, I don't think there's a dull moment on this on this one. Uh, even the lesser tracks are just a moment to catch your breath before the next uh, dance party. Um, like I said, even when the songs are surface level, he's a good writer and he makes it interesting or at least funny. Um, and the someone great elevates this to, uh, to emotional territory. Um, the only thing is I will say is one thing to think about when you listen to their, their, uh, discography or his discography is there's something special about that first album when it was really an, it really was a dance punk album. It was a little noisier. He didn't have as many tricks or whatever. And everything gets polished over time. Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to be annoying and complain about that. I'll just say for a, f- a couple of the songs on here that may not have stood out that were just kind of like whatever dance songs. If they had done it in their pastiche of their first record, it may have had a little bit more edge to it, a little bit more teeth. So in some ways, the polished approach uh, did not take away from the album, but it didn't necessarily add anything to a couple of the slower moments. And uh, uh, but all in all, it's a great time. And uh, four out of five is something I feel good about. Steven. Yeah, I'd say this is a um, this is a Seattle Supersonics versus the Sacramento Kings circa 2000, which uh, would be a, a good a good amount of cowbells, but not not deafening amount of cowbells. And if you guys remember the early aughts, uh, Kings games, they had cowbells. That's my joke there. Um, <laughs> I guess a three. That's a three. It's a it's it's good. Um, I'll listen to it again. I'm not going to listen to it all the time. It has enough songs on it, though, that warrants it being uh, slightly above average. And with our grade, I mean, I guess a 3.25 with our grading scale of just a five. It's just it's, it's above average. So I, I give it a 3.25. There we go. Nice. So I give this one pretty high marks. Um, you know, I think this is a good uh, representation of what LCD sound system is all about. Uh, critics tend to agree with me. This has universal acclaim. Uh, if you look at Metacritic, who essentially is a compiler of every critic or every review out there, it gets an 86 out of 100, which is seen as really high. Um, so I, I'm in line with 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 that. I think it's a 4.7. Um, when I was going through some of their other works as preparing for this, I was kind of debating whether or not I actually had picked the right record. And after reviewing some of their other discography, I, I feel like I did. Um, this is happening is also seen as like one of their high watermarks, but I feel like in, for me, this is the one that, um, I don't know. I, I, I know that there, this is happening has much more confidence on it, but I feel like I like the scrappiness and the extra production work, uh, versus that self-titled one. Um, but I like LCD sound system quite a bit, and it's not just because of the energy that it provides with kind of danceable music. 
Uh, James Murphy just seems like someone I could absolutely relate to. He seems like a very difficult person, very, uh, you know, very focused, uh, very like, this is what I want to do. And you better be coming along with me. Otherwise I'm going to leave you behind. Um, and I, I admire that in people, uh, whether or not I can hang with those people is another uh, conversation entirely, but I, I admire those type of people that have a singular vision and are able to adhere to it. And it took balls for him to want to walk away. And then only years later, um, say, actually, I'm not quite done yet. And didn't have any embarrassment of doing it. He just said, no, I'm ready. I think I'm, I want to kick, start this thing back up again. And he came out with a record, which is pretty strong. Uh, American dream. I do recommend it. I haven't spent much time with it, um, but that would be something that I feel is also one of their better records. I don't feel like LC's sound system have a bad record in them. I honestly, um, if if you're not essentially buying what they're selling, then this isn't the band for you. But for me, uh, it, it marries everything that I really enjoy about dance music. It has humor in it. It has kind of a harder edge to it. And it's not necessarily just one guy hitting buttons. I, I like the fact that there's live instruments in there as well. So 4.7 for me for Sound of Silver. So with that, nice. I think it's nice. time to uh, bid farewell and see what we're going to look at next. Eric, do the honors. All right. I got a seven. A seven. It is a s- another Steve nomination. Ignoring Eric altogether. And I got to tell you, um, it's getting spooky because this is a record released in 1980 uh, by the band Talking Heads. We're going to be talking about Remain in Light. You find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, We went from the, the redheaded producer that made us talk about James Murphy when we talked about Run the Jewels. So now, I mean, we're talking about Talking Heads. Plenty. You can't talk about LCD Sound System without bringing up Talking Heads. And look what has happened. And folks, we don't, this isn't rigged. We only rigged the dice once, and we're not going to tell you what that time was. But um, the uh, <laughs> 99.9% of the, the, the dicings are always, uh, it's, it's always a real deal. So interesting well that's exciting i mean it's getting spooky and eric get ready for either editing this oh. one again for steve or, or uh, um, yeah or yeah just then, a just a train the... of all of your nominations yeah. coming yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, again uh life is very hectic for dear old steve here it's, it's hectic for everyone but i like i literally couldn't edit the last episode and it was my turn and eric stepped up so uh, we'll see if I'll ask for him to help again. <laughs> Happy to Maybe do not. it. We'll I'm see. Happy to do it. Life of a public servant. You need it. You need help. I'll do it. Uh, in on on the taxpayers' dime. I mean, if anything, I'm just trying to do you a favor and keeping you fresh for when you actually get to do one of your records again. So. <laughs> sure, sure. Get ready. Get keeping ready. the arm loose. Get ready All right. For that gadget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, uh, join us next time when we talk about Talking Heads record Remain in Light, nominated by Steve. I want to thank both of you for uh, taking the time to look at LCD Sound System, Sound of Silver. And we want to thank you all, you listeners, for staying with us as we are uh, taking you through the whole of Pod Like a Hole. And as always, we hope that we brought you closer to Pod. Stay.